This is Captain Ed Mercer, and you're listening to Question, Possible Answer. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Question, Possible Answer. As always, I'm Jesse. You know me as Peanut on the show. And what is becoming a now, as always, as well, uh, Phil Tog, uh, again, will not be here this evening. But we're looking forward to having him back real soon. Um, to fill that spot over from Ion Cannon, it's not Joel, it's his co-host, which, as promised, I was going to try and get on soon. It's uh, Matthew. How's it going? It's good. Uh, thanks for being here with me. Yeah, I had Joel on a few episodes mm-hmm. ago to do Captain America, and he's like, you got to get Matthew in here. It's like, little did he know we were already talking. There we go. There we go. I'll, I'll, I'll thank him for that. <laughs> it's high praise. High praise on his part. Um, so for new listeners to the show, uh, what we do here is uh, we choose a topic. Um, I guess we're starting to dive more in just into the pop cultural realm. We started off just doing movies. Um, then we did an episode talking about Star Wars Celebration to prepare for the event. And now we're kind of diving into TV shows. So we're just kind of, you know, we're getting to spread out a little bit and talk about different things. Um, but so along the way, we talk about the movies and we kind of pose, you know, questions of like, what if you were in that movie or show or what if our world abided by those rules and, you know, those type of questions. Um, and so, yeah, um, I hope you enjoy what we're about to discuss. Um, but before we do that, a couple of plugs, um, as always, you can find us on the social medias on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for question, possible answer. We're going to pop up. We've got a brand new logo. You're going to love it. It'll be out by the time this episode comes out. Probably same day. Um, Yeah, so let us know what you think of the new logos as well. Um, Send us emails, questionpossibleanswer at gmail.com. And I've got something else to plug, but I can't remember at the moment. Um, Matthew, I've already mentioned Iron Cannon a Mm -hmm. little bit, but I'm sure you've got some things you would like to plug. Well, yeah, I'll just reiterate i'm sure what joel covered it but you know uh ion cannon podcast every mondays uh we're, we're working out the time uh this monday the next few mondays it's going to be 5 p.m pacific uh, 8 p.m eastern that's because uh, our good friend hannah is doing a, a show at 6 p.m pacific so we want to make sure there's enough time so yeah uh you know search search in the youtube ion cannon podcast uh, I'm sure you'll got a nice blue logo with the text and it's pronounced Markian Martian, his uh, Markian Rose mask there. Uh, yeah, we talk about Star Wars canon uh, novels, comics, uh, everything from le- even legends, but especially canon. I have a special place in my heart for the High Republic. So hence, hence the focus on Markian Rose in the logo. Uh, we also talk about just just deeper questions, deeper issues. What's the relationship between canon on paper canon and screen canon and uh legends and how that relates to canon and things like that um what what does it mean for continuity to exist or not and uh just different things i i you know the joke that i'm starting to develop is a good uh good marketing play joel and i make great dinner conversation because at some point in every episode we we bring in uh some bit of either religion or politics my own background is in is in different uh religious well christian religious groups but um you know that, that that's where i come from and both of us have a political science background so uh we we, we all throw that in we all throw breadth and depth of conversation and so uh we don't do we do some maybe news shows but for the most part we pick a topic and we 
go for half an hour. And, you know, the last few months, there's been a lot of new novels that have come out. So we've spent time reviewing, commenting on that. So, yeah, uh, Ion Cannon on YouTube, uh, on Spotify as well. And and hopefully hoping to expand onto Twitch and some other other platforms as well. That much I can announce right here. Um, also, yeah, so on Twitter and Instagram at Iron Cannon Pod. So that's E Y E O N C A N O N P O D, not the Iron Cannon that is in Empire Strikes Back, but E Y E O N C A N O N P O D on Twitter and Instagram. And that's an awesome name. Uh, just mm-hmm. like from the first time I heard it, immediately I was like, oh. I was like, I love it because it's like the Ion Cannon, like you yeah. said from Empire Strikes Back. But no, credit to uh, Dominic Jones I. for for yeah. bringing that one up. <laughs> ah, okay. Oh yeah, that might be where I heard it from first. I think actually, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've checked out a couple of the episodes. I've I've been meaning to get in and check that backlog, but it's with so many different shows to try and watch. It's hard to, you know, if you don't keep current, it's hard to uh, watch it all. That's true. There's a um, lot of <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to our topic of the evening, uh, since we're talking about a TV show and you know trying to catch up, hard to watch them all. Um, this was initially going to be a Star Trek episode, and then it kind of evolved into well, let's talk about the Orville. Uh, for one, I personally, I'm not gonna say I'm not a Star Trek fan. Um, I'm just I haven't been current in any of the new stuff, and I'm know very little of the old stuff but i'm still a fan i'm appreciative of what they've done um so you were had said star trek and i was like yeah um this will be fun and i tried to get on paramount and realized i no longer had a subscription (laughs) and it's like hey let's maybe talk something else in that sci-fi realm that's not star wars because we've done a lot of star wars already and you're like let's do the orville (laughs) very good choice um so (laughs) what made you I guess to start off, um, have you watched the Orville since it like premiered? Have you been one of those Sunday, Monday night, whatever night that it came on TV? Were you there watching it or were you a, I guess, you know, what was your introduction to the Orville? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I picked it up uh, on streaming, I guess some whatever streaming service uh, be here in Canada, like a Crave TV um so picked up when yeah like when like it gets all the episodes in one spot before it was on disney plus so i think that was before that but yeah i caught up for seasons one and two and then when season three came in um that i was the weekly the weekly disney plus drop uh watching then so um yeah but uh yeah i mean the thing i originally got into it i maybe i'm presaging your question a little bit here is um well I'll, i'll answer the question first of all is yeah i was able to 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 binge seasons one and two in kind of relatively one go um it's kind of funny th- some things kind of blur in the background uh you know you, you, oh that was halloween season one that was uh, when did that happen when did that happen but um yeah and then but yeah season three and then remarking about how different it is it's also again a different experience for me watching it week by week uh was uh yeah i think part of the, played up the contrast because the Season one and two and season three are, are similar, but also very different in their own ways. And we can get into that. Um, maybe to, to press one of the questions, you know, how did I get into it? You did talk about the relationship to Star Trek or how it was going to be a Star Trek episode. Um, I mean, the Orville is self-consciously Star Trek without being officially Star Trek. It is. Yeah. yeah I mean, the it's, ep- uh, it's as yeah. 
So, sorry, but it, you know, it's a it's a Seth MacFarlane project. Yeah, so, so it's immediately you know you know it's going to be a parody of some sort, but it so, touches on a lot more serious notes. Yeah. Well, I want to say it, it isn't a parody. That's the interesting thing. It's a humorous twist, but I think a parody would like Blue Harvest that he did with the Family Guy Star Wars. That is a parody. Um, this is. I mean, the more you go in the series, it, it, it gets more, more and more serious. But from the start, it always set out to do precisely what Gene Roddenberry wanted to do, was talk about issues in our current day, talk about uh, or, or show a crew that was incredibly competent, even if they were, in this case, not as well respected in the Union military or Union, uh, Union fleet, um, the kind of the, Union, the version of the Federation in this in this franchise. Uh but incredibly competent and coming together and overcoming their personal differences to solve the problem of the week. And that uh, is at the core of Star Trek's DNA is, uh, you know, both the original series and next generation. And so the Orville carrying that on through with some bit more off color humor, um, kind of more, more drinking jokes, more odd jokes, but uh, a bit bit more, not quite blue humor, but uh, a bit more wrinkly than than Star Trek would actually go for. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, you know, what do you say that it's, I don't know, just trying to think of like the humor, like you can definitely tell the differences, but it feels right for the story. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you were saying, you know, like Star Trek wouldn't go that route, but, you know, new Star Trek has gone that route a little bit, definitely nowhere near as what the Orville is doing. Um, but I feel like I've saw a couple of scenes in Picard that kind mm-hmm. of went that route. But we're not here to talk about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. We are here to talk about the Orville. Fair enough. <laughs> um so I personally I still haven't finished all of it. Um I was I watched it initially uh day after on Hulu whenever it was first coming out on TV. Mm-hmm. And so like that's that's how I watched season one. That might be why I like season one the most. Either because I was able to sit on it week to week and, you know, digest everything. Or because I've seen season one more than season two and I have yet to even touch on season three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's the classic question for, well, I say classic. It's the question for our time, right? Binge, release all the episodes at once or... uh, let it be week to week. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's partly why, uh, why season three I found, yeah, like I was mentioning before, I, w- I was able to, to think and digest on on what was happening in season three and the issues that it got raised that it raised. Of course, season three is very different in so many other ways, and so I'll say you're in for a treat. I'm I'm probably I'm gonna try not to spoil things, but you know I might. I'm really uh, good at forgetting stuff, so it's okay. okay. So I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil stuff then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, listeners, be wary. Um, we don't know what we're going to spoil, but <laughs> we are, uh, n- you know, we're not holding back whenever we talk about scenes and stuff. So and also you've been warned. Be wary. The, the season three is very political, in in a way that it could not be under Fox. <laughs> uh, you know, when it was under Fox, but Disney's given it a free reign to explore issues that we didn't think Seth MacFarlane would try and explore and wasn't able to explore in family guy or i guess he did american dad too right 
Yes. Yeah. So I I, I suspect I don't know I haven't seen any of American Dad, but um, Orville really goes for it in the way, and this is the thing, in the very classic Jude Ronberry way, it really goes for it. So I don't have anything from season three to really touch on since I haven't watched it. Um, I, so most of my questions were really pertain to season one. Um. <laughs> I'll try and remember them. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so w- one of my favorite episodes is um, I don't remember the actual episode number or name, but uh, it's the social media planet, you know, yes. where they have the voting system. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just say that you lived on that planet and you were in that society. Mm-hmm. Well, this alien life form comes to you that looks like you, basically. You know, the plot of the episode where they come <laughs> and they have to find... You're the coffee worker. Yes. How would you respond in that situation? And do you think you would be able to create enough momentum to generate change across the planet? So, a few things to say about that. First of all, I don't need to imagine. <laughs> that is the world we live in. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there are... I mean, that was, that was the point of the episode, is... So much of our our world now is built on even even in uh, geek fandom, built on popularity of impressions and social media, social media reactions and the hot takes and how hot your hot take is and um, your value as communicated through that. You know, it, it's a good question. How much would I be able to? On my own, not much, you know. I mean, that's the thing is, with that episode, you know, Lamar comes to her and and helps her and helps, uh, I forget her name, um, you know, you know help, helps try and generate some change, try and, well, first of all, help, helps her imagine something different and something new. And this is, I mean, kind of bringing in, in my, my religious background here, you know, the at our best, you know, faiths can can help guide and not guide. Yeah, guide look towards something better in this world and in the next and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I, I'd hope a community would provide that more more resilient response. Now I say that. That being said, uh, so the series finale or season finale of season three, uh, really like she comes back. This is this is the big spoiler. She comes back. She tries to escape the planet herself and wrestles with survivor's guilt and all that. So it's hard to answer because we see what, what her, her response is. Um, But, you know, I think I probably might try and do that myself if I'm honest. Uh, But, you know, maybe not. I mean, in either way, no, no, I'll say this, that that the way that is on that planet is an extreme, um, you know, our our world isn't necessarily that much of an extreme, and and there are ways of living detached from caring about likes and and uh, you know, measuring someone's value based on you know how how many followers they have or whatever. Um, but you know, it, it, there there is this challenge to to moderate that then in this episode there. There's a challenge to say, okay, these hot take reactions and, and the popularity that they generate, they aren't worth so much. So let's actually find 
things that are more valuable, like relationships, like uh, maybe, I mean, longer form content, like uh, like feature articles or reading books and, and you know, reading longer stories and novels. You know, I mean, those get publicized on social media, but yeah, it, it, it's, I guess maybe that's my answer is it wouldn't be able to be an all or nothing thing because, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, as I mentioned, you know, Iron Cannon pod- podcast is on Twitter and Instagram and trying to build a following and taking steps to build a following so that Joel and my voice can come out and be heard and the things we have to say, but we have to make sure of two things. Uh, yeah, this relates to, to the question is, um, first of all, the things we say are actually constructive in society and the way we build the relationships in the, in these fandom spaces, you know, there is a temptation to, to pin our ego on, uh, you know, how many subscribers we have on YouTube or whatever, or how many people watch our, our show and to, to resist that and resist kind of the jealousy or or um yeah yeah the yeah i guess jealousy is a good way of putting it or, or just the, the the slights that we might feel if someone's getting more popularity than us or doing whatever you know all those things uh are these moderating forces to say okay we are saying what we want to say we're building the friendships we want to build that's what really matters and to move in that direction so I know that was a long roundabout answer, but hopefully you got there. No, yeah, it makes sense. Because, yeah, it, you know, it, on a planet like that, you know, which is the extreme of a lot of our social, uh, political, on, on our own planet, which you were saying, you know, trying to take an extremist route where everything is that easily tracked and it's just as simple as looking at your TV and pressing a button kind of makes it harder to be an extremist revolutionary as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it, there, there is this, uh, moderating, uh, force, especially, you know, you talk about, uh, electoral politics and how in, in both of our countries, right. There, there is this push to kind of not, yeah, in some sense, dumb down and, and not, not care about any kind of substantive conversation, but what is, the most popular middle of the road, you know, cool and progressive enough, but doesn't really require people to uh, moderate their lifestyles. And so, you, you know, you have here in Canada, you have a, an incredibly centrist prime minister who claims to be more progressive, but is actually really doesn't want to use, you know, use government power to, to make any kind of change. And he's super popular because he makes people feel good without having to let them, uh, you know, have making them you know, pay more taxes. <laughs> so is there out of the uh, planets of this series, out of the different mm-hmm. worlds that we've seen, um, is there one that you like the most that you wish Earth would adapt to or mm-hmm. one that. Yeah, well, let's go with that one. You know, what, what has been your prime, your, your favorite one? Favorite planet we've seen the first thing that comes to mind i forget the the name of it but where the the security officers officers are from the super strong ones um oh, we haven't seen um, much of them yeah like uh kiali and uh what's her name before that 
Um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember the race, but I can't. But yeah, I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to. Well, here's the interesting thing. So, and this is bringing in even She Hulk from this morning and all this stuff. They, you know, they. I mean, Superman. Oh, I, you know, they go to another planet and they're way stronger than everyone else. They've developed the the character and the uh, the instincts and the norms to not abuse that power. And so that must have come from somewhere. Also, the designs of buildings and things like that are pretty cool. Um, the John Billingsley, his character, isn't very nice in that. But, uh, yeah, what we've seen of, of that planet is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't think there was much, if any, in Season 1. And I think there's just been a little bit in Season 2. Yeah. I, I, I don't... I, I've been in binge mode lately, so I'm trying to remember what's been what, sure. and I don't remember all of it. The uh, the Kalon planet, I mean, I don't know if we'd want us to be like that, but it was a really cool design. Um, you know, the and, and trying to think, okay, what would it be like if you didn't have to have uh, carbon-based life forms living there? So that was a neat idea. I don't know if it would. I think it probably would be more abstract, like more like a Borg a Borg system, but, uh, that was an interesting one too. So it was there, would you say there's a character that you identify with most aboard the Orville? It's a good question too. Um, Hmm. Who do I identify with the most? My mind for some reason is going to commander Grayson. I don't quite know why. Oh, I do know why. You know, she shows, Kelly Grayson, she shows a lot of leadership and a lot of heart. You know, there, there's a, a whole a whole episode in in uh, season three where she, she has to take command because Mercer's down on the planet and she has to deal with the situation. Uh, she can ably step right into that. It's, she's in the kind of the Riker situation where she could be easily be a captain herself. But, um, you know, then... Yeah, she uh, the way she befriends Topa, who is going through. I mean, that's the way Topa in, in season three exploring uh, you know, trans affirmation and how she's able to to really take take her under her wing and, and uh, you know, bring her to a place of, of deeper healing and transitioning and um, whatnot. And yeah. And, and then, of course, everything the way she relates to uh, uh Penny Johnson, what's her character's name? Cassie Yates, the the doctor. Uh, the, yeah, the oh. way. Yeah. I can't remember right yeah. now. I I had IMDb open. I accidentally yeah, closed it. That's right. Yeah, I I should actually do that. That's a good idea. But uh, uh, yeah, the the way she relates to uh, yeah, to especially her closest friends, and then even even the, the complications with Ed. She's able to. I mean, both her and Ed are able to get over that. And move through that, oddly enough. And I don't know where that might go in season four. We'll see. But um, yeah, it, it, that's a surprising answer. I hadn't thought of that, but that's where my mind went. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of going off of you know the early stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. for me, I'm honestly thinking I would choose like Lieutenant Malloy or yeah. something. You know, he, he he seems like a goof off. He's definitely gotten in some trouble, mm-hmm. but. Uh, when it's time to get serious, he's always been serious, mm-hmm. except for one time whenever they were pretending to be the enemy. And overall, I just did not like that episode. 
I don't remember that one. I, I gotta rewatch that one. Um, yeah, he's it's got a, a really it's an early season one. Yeah, he's got a really interesting journey. But I will say, you know, talk about use of humor. And you, know, I all the question I always ask when watching any of these shows is, you know, world building is fun, is awesome. Um, the way world building affects plot, that's awesome. I always ask, what is what's the character? What's the character story? And the way Malloy injects humor and has these humorous lines, it really adds such a layer for his character that, you know, he struggles to take things too seriously, but is then able to when he needs to. He reminds everyone that not to take everything too seriously. You know, if anything is closest to a parody, to a satire, it's him. But even then, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say he is. He is able to, 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 yeah, like you said, be be serious when he needs to. And again, in season three, yeah, uh, he really has this tremendous story. So in, I guess it's season two where he he finds the cell phone and he reconstructs the uh, the woman who owned the cell phone right in the holodeck thing. Um, so he actually is able to go back in time and find her and marry her, which is kind of ridiculous. But um, you know, shows. Yeah, I mean, it fits so well with the way his character has humor that is able to, yeah, like I mean, kind of what I'm getting at before about, you know, disregarding the things that don't matter, because that's what humor is best at. It's uh, ridiculing, literally ridiculing things that are ridiculous so that things that are more important. So, you know, he, he can't worry about the rules of, you know, temporal displacement or whatever. He has to live his life in the past and then he's he's ultimately rescued and it's ultimately fine but um yeah it's a, it's a great choice he is a great character really well written with some depth that you wouldn't expect in the first episode no like very early on whenever you know i guess first episode whenever we meet this cast of characters it feels very i guess you know comedy based because this was you know seth MacFarlane's first time you know experimenting in live action really you know for a tv series and so it's very interesting to see the growth you know because we were all Mm -hmm. expecting live action family guy in space it seems like and we ended up getting this and from character introduction which still felt somewhat comedic so like of course you know there's the ai interface you know we've got his friend you know oh his ex-wife you know it felt very comedic from that first episode and then just going throughout the series has turned very uh almost you know a space drama um it's told a very good overarching story yeah uh so there there are two parts to that and and i i suspect you know going back if i went back and watched season one again you're right it probably did feel more a bit like a parody at the beginning certainly a lot more humor a lot more hijinks a lot more goofiness um yafit is ridiculous right uh uh, you know and yafit hitting on uh on the doctor um <laughs> that you know how all that worked out um yeah i i, I could see that <laughs> another thing i will say and this is what i was mentioning before is you know the first two seasons on 20th century fox you know before disney bought all their properties yeah it was a bit closer to the the, the family guy american dad thing because it was in family in fox and of course had to the issues that 
Seth MacFarlane could talk about were a lot more limited because it's Fox. And we know Fox has a specific political stance, uh, like Fox News would have a, has its own political stance that would be very against and, and, and up in arms against a lot of the issues that in season three they really go for. Like I mentioned, in season three they really go for talking about uh, trans issues and trans youth and the violence that trans youth face. Um, you go, talking about matriarchal societies and patriarchal societies and uh you know i mean even with the the mocklins and you know uh an all-male species well they still get it on you know um yeah you know even uh you know questions of expel and, and ultimately expelling the mocklins here's another plot point they end up expelling the mocklins because of um how how misogynist they are and how because of the the way they they treat the women that are naturally born in there, and it they it the Orville just presents this idealized sense of okay, the union is no longer no longer tolerates these things that frankly in our world often do get tolerated in in maybe more subtle ways, um, you know, ideas and attitudes towards women in in power and the way uh, the way mar- marginalized people continue to be marginalized through gaslighting and through uh very very sleek and skilled arguments the way i mean here's another the the wrinkle there is you know the way um you know threats to national security are used as an excuse to perpetuate these these systems and these the, these power imbalances so things that uh again <laughs> you know um you know whatever you you believe about those things you know fox probably was skittish about them uh, at the very least, you know, Seth MacFarlane was was playing ball. But then, you know, as a friend of mine who I, I talked about Orville episodes with, you know, she said once they were under Disney, you know, I mean, and Disney for its own reasons wants to to push a certain perspective. Um, but Seth MacFarlane was given free reign to to dive in and, and talk about those things. So, yeah, that's another bigger contrast that did push. This is getting back to the original point, did push the Orville into a far more serious uh, realm because Seth MacFarlane was free to, to dive into the issues that he really wanted to talk about. Um, it did, I mean, it also did bring it back to being, first of all, being incredibly true to Gene Roddenberry's vision of Star Trek. I mean, that's uh, always since 1966, 1967, what Gene Roddenberry has done is use... This wagon train to the stars to talk about the 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 deeper issues and and sometimes pretty on the nose in the way that the you know the series the season three has been pretty on the nose in some things um you know but uh yeah it, it you made it more serious there i think i had another point that i was going to say but uh yeah um you know i all oh, this was going to say is it, it's more closer to star trek it, I was surprised. I don't know if you, you, you'd expect this just seeing seasons one and two. It became one of the smartest shows on television. And that's the real surprise, given where it starts with this kind of dumb humor. But now, the, what do you, know, you mean the, by like the smartest show? Again, the, the way it. Um, it presents and weaves in these these deeper issues of even talking about AI and emotions and. Uh, everything with with Isaac and and the Doctor and um, 
you know, there, there's a season three episode where where she he gets these emotions for a day and and what it means for for you know masculinity to male or meant to to show feeling and romantic uh, you know expression even if you know if it doesn't last for him things like that uh it, i mean the thing in season season three another thing it does this is another aspect of the show but it's, this is a more structural aspect of it really smartly weaving in multiple storylines and that last episode where the uh uh the the woman from the the, the social media hell planet she actually she actually escapes and like i said and deals with has to do with survivor's guilt that's also weaved into the episode that's that's isaac and doctor's wedding and um all the planning for that and uh how the the Kalons are now at peace with the union because uh they were able to actually present tell I mean the the smart way of telling the the story of the Kalon narrative and uh reinterpreting that you know so that that's kind of backing it up a little bit they um so the, again in season 3 they they're able to go back in time and show how why the Kalon are so distrustful of any other life forms they were enslaved very much asimov matrix style enslaved abused by their owners and they were able to actually rise up and and defeat them and now go conquering their part of the galaxy uh the orville you know the orville crew or, or yeah the yeah the crew the cast of the show the crew of the ship uh they're able to reinterpret interpret that narrative and say okay but we've learned from that lesson we're not going to treat you this way uh that through line continues all the way to uh isaac and the doctor's wedding and uh half of the wedding guests are are Kalon, and then half are, are orville crew so um just you know presenting these issues presenting these perspectives in a way that is you know, you talk about uh, you you not not having revolution, but but change in a way that is palatable in this this fun sci-fi show, but still makes people think and still makes people consider their views and perspectives. I hope I hope people will get it. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I was trying to That's look okay. at my notes here. I, I just spewed a lot heads. of stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a lot to process, but a lot of it is very agreeable. Um, so I guess uh, I asked about like your favorite planet, you know, for like the Earth's economy. If we were to take a certain route, but do you have like a particular favorite episode, uh, favorite uh, I guess character arc story that you really like to see the journey of? Or yeah, it's hard to to single one out. Um... Oh. So a new character in season three is uh, Charlie Burke, Ensign Charlie Burke. This is another aspect of how, how smart the show was. She goes, so her best friend before the before the season starts, her best friend is killed by the Kalon in 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 combat, and so she resents Isaac. She resents all of them. She wants to wipe them out. She gets to know Isaac. She gets to know again, like I said, the history of the Kalon. Um, she actually has to work with Isaac on a mission, like one on one. 
the the transformation uh, from from full on, I mean, understandable distrust and and hatred, just given the pain of losing her her friend, to ultimately uh, she has to create. Yeah, it, it, uh, I'm trying to remember how to how to where to how to tell the story. She ends up creating a, um, a well, no, sorry, the so the union has a weapon that could obliterate the Kalon, but that falls into the wrong hands. She ends up creating the program to dismantle the weapon, but ends up sacrificing her life and to go from, you know, and, and not just because she's following orders, you know, that's, that's definitely part of what gets her through the door, but that whole arc. And she's uh, a younger character. Um, one who, you know, represents, I think, you know, the, the, the challenge of, I say the challenge of radicalization. That's the, the opposite challenge of, you know, the, the social media planet where that forces everyone to be so dumbed down. Um, another thing that social media does is with the hot takes to say, okay, I'm just going to stake my claim on this one perspective and never change. And, and I always say that the other people on the other side are so deplorable, but she's able to actually access her own humanity and transform and, and end up you know, save, uh, sacrificing her life to save an entire species that she once hated. Yeah. I, I think for me, um, my favorite arc line, which I guess was rounded up all in one episode, uh, again, is in season one, but we get Liam Neeson in this episode. Um, they come across the uh, ship that is floating in space and inside mm-hmm. is a whole, um, it's uh, basically a, a planet ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the actual usage of term, a, a bio ship. Yeah. And so we've gotten centuries of people that don't realize that they're in a ship anymore. And so mm-hmm. just the whole story that is told in that. And then it's like, well, we're going to open your eyes and we're going to let a few people know the yes. truth mm-hmm. and they will figure out the best way to tell everyone else. Oh, and we're going to show you what the night sky looks like. We're going to open <laughs> these doors. Yeah. Like trying to imagine like if you were out in the fields when the doors opened, mm-hmm. most likely a heart attack <laughs> or something, you know, because it's the first time you're seeing this happen. And in my case, it would be in 33 years, mm-hmm. you know, so never seen this before no one can explain it mm-hmm. but overall i just felt like that was an amazing story that they were able to tell and they had freaking liam neeson in the episode mr i never go on tv liam neeson no <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I mean that that's evocative of what the whole was symbolic of what the whole series is trying to do symbolic of what sci-fi can do Right. Uh, you know, Plato's cave opening people's eyes to the the deeper reality of things. Um, yeah, it's a great, great pick. Great pick. Great choice. Uh, I will say in terms of episodes, I really loved this. Was, this is the moment where this is the end of season two, where where it went from fun, goofy show to super serious, as serious as anything Star Trek had ever did. did with um you know first of all averting the Kalon war and then but then you know the whole time travel thing and bringing 
younger Lieutenant Kelly forward and uh, that then creating or, or, or then she goes back and she doesn't end up with Ed and that creating the whole temporal uh, anomaly that creates all this devastation that they have to undo that the, the depth of storytelling in that one really brilliant really uh gripping drawing you in i mean it's disturbing in its way because it upsets everything we've known um and we we long for so good as you say it sounds really cool having not gotten to that point myself yet just like hearing that it's like ooh. so this is the end of season two yeah yeah, like I, I can't wait to see how they do this because mm-hmm. I, I know they can do it well just based off what I've seen. So it'll be yeah. fun to see it. Yeah, they, they really knocked that out of the park in that one. Um, you know, yeah, like long for it to be resolved. Showing, I mean, there's a through line showing just how important uh, Ed and Kelly are to each other, even if they're divorced, even if they're, you know. Um, you know, not you know there, there's still that lingering tension there um yeah i mean it, it's funny that 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 aspect of it comes through in a season three episode where uh with this this oddly enough this matriarchal planet that treats men the way our society treats women even worse and or 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 the way women were considered in the 50s 60s especially and and the or and the, the union decides not to have anything to do with them anyway um and and ed talks about how he trusts kelly with his life you know they they were divorced they had this painful thing happen uh, they they both understand it now they both understand you know why they drifted apart why their priorities were off or away from each other um and especially ed's priorities were away from the marriage but the way they're able to work together and come together and and definitely care for each other and, and come to a more adult perspective on life. Uh, yeah, I mean, even Ed, it's revealed he has a daughter with someone else and uh, the way he wants to care for her. Uh, just seeing Ed grow up <laughs> and, and Kelly being part of that, too. Um, yeah, I, that's one thing I definitely hope for moving forward. That's definitely pushing towards us in season four if there's a season four which i hope there is is i was about to ask are we confirmed a season four yet or is it still i haven't heard anything but that would be a major story momentum there's a major story momentum pushing towards saying okay what do uh i mean yeah what what is ed and kelly's relationship like going forward um you know at the wedding they kind of hold hands have a bit of a moment i don't know if they're ever going to get back together they might. Uh, I don't know if you could be married and serve together. Maybe you can. I mean, Riker and Troy seem to be able to do it uh, on the Titan in Star Trek. So it's possible. Uh, I mean, you could be, apparently be divorced and still work together like this. And it works out, as, as I was saying. Uh, so, yeah, that that's the real character, the personal character momentum for season four. What it's like for a human and a uh a robot to be married to each other. That's another question. And then um, the union and the Kalon at the end of season three, the union, and the Kalon are at war with the Mocklins and the, uh, a lot of the, that other race that we, we met the, that is super violent. <laughs> and so uh, that's a dangling thread. Ed has a daughter with uh, the chancellor of 
that other species. I forget what they're called. The the, the people who praise Avis. Those guys. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. trying to remember their names, but they're the focus yeah. of the uh, episode I mentioned earlier that I don't yeah. like. Where um, where well, um, they go uh, forgetting right. both their names. The ones where Ed and um, and yeah. Yeah, where they go uh, disguise mode on their ship and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that one that one I have issues with because I feel like in that moment they would be serious. Like they do a lot of joking around in really dire situations, but it was still early yeah. in the show. Yeah. So I don't hassle them too much because I feel like they were still trying to find their ground uh, grounding <laughs> to figure out how comedic do we want to be. Yeah. And I mean, also, it could be uh, a response to being nervous. Uh, behind enemy lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I, I I could agree with that. But yeah, I could see that being being maybe a little too much in that context. I don't know. I mean, what I always liked from from episode one, I was expecting the crew to be incompetent, and I was expecting the humor to come from, oh, they were they were dumb and they screwed up and they messed up this thing and ha ha how funny is that? Yeah, yeah, like they fail perfectly. And what what I really love about the show is that they they didn't rely on that as a trope. They actually this crew is competent. It's just they get into some ridiculous situations, and and if there's humor in it, then yes, use it, do the work of doing humor, crafting humorous dialogue, as well as creating a more humorous situation that they then have to, in classic Star Trek form, uh, come together and, and sort out. And so. Uh, even then, they, it, that's what's wonderful. Again, saying before, the drama, the humor feeds, especially going into you know season, the later episodes of the, of the, the later portion of the series, humor uh, feeds the the character and feeds the story, and not the other way around. Yeah, and they do a real good job of bringing the characters' emotions into it, mm-hmm. where you know there's a few episodes where it seems like. The drama is based off, oh, well, this person might be feeling depressed or insecure, mm-hmm. and it becomes an episode about helping this person through their insecurities or whatever it may be that is troubling them. And it seems like a lot of the time the programmer or the um, the simulation room is used in certain aspects or full-run simulations. Mm-hmm. But all in all, you know, they still tell a really good emotional story tackling this one per you know, they make this side character the main episode mm-hmm. or main character of the episode. Yeah. Which a lot of shows do it, but just you know, they they get you every time with this and it's mm-hmm. it's a great every time it's been a great episode. Yeah. Which is probably why I had trouble picking out one character. Because they're they're all very well fleshed out. Yeah, I think the most recent episode that I can remember, uh, yeah, I'm season two, episode two, I was watching right before we we uh, hopped on here. And that one is about uh, Bordas is feeling emotionable about something. So he's like mm-hmm. leaving work 15 minutes early, like three or four times a week, but he's calling right. home and saying he has to work late. And so it's just like, oh, that's going to be a really good story somehow. I can't, you know, this, mm-hmm. you know. He's not necessarily a side character, but his family is, and they get brought in early on. And you know, Topa and uh, Clyden, I believe. Clyden, yeah. And uh, they they get a little bit more screen time and just a little bit more character advancement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, everything to do with Topa really brings that family and and everything the tension with Mocklin society and what we do with a society who's 
perspectives are are so radically different from ours things we might would point to and say probably don't want to be that way um yeah and and the 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 heart-wrenching character journey that that all three of them go on uh you know especially yeah in in the season three episodes they bring that to the fore yeah where, where topa becomes the main character and there's i don't know if there's a time jump but there's kind of a I mean, they, they, I guess they grow up faster. So Topa's like a teenager, even if it's only been a year or something. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I saw Topa and I was like, hold on a second. Like six yeah. episodes ago, you were like a football. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you, you, you're, you're a kid, like full yeah. outright teenager kid. What, what's going on here? And then in season three, she's, she's a, a full on teenager. Yeah. And a she. <laughs> Is, is the key point. Yeah. Um, so I, I know we're kind of getting close on time. You have uh, other uh, priorities you need to get to. So before we start to pull out, mm-hmm. do you have any final topics you wish to touch on? Um, let me, I think we, we hit on them. Um, I, I will say that I do want to address the whole, well, this is the, the, the best Star Trek series or the, the only true Star Trek series. Um, I mean, I kind of get where that criticism is coming from, as opposed to, uh, you know, Lower Decks and, and uh, Picard and Discovery. And um, I mean, it is it was refreshing that Orville didn't rely on a gimmick because all those other stories kind of had a bit of a gimmick that made it different from other Trek, um, except for Strange New Worlds, which also came back to much more of the classic formula. I don't know. I mean, they they all sit alongside each other. Even Orville sits alongside the rest of the other Star Trek shows, even if it isn't Star Trek. Um, you know, I just say, just, you know, like what you like and enjoy what you enjoy and then don't enjoy what you don't enjoy and whatever, you know. Um, that's the thing is, is, I mean, all franchises, even the sort of adjacent thing to a franchise, it's all about... Uh, carrying on what you need to carry on and letting go what you need to let go of. And, uh, you know, I, and I think the new Trek has done that brilliantly. I think Orville does it in its own way brilliantly. And uh, I'm here for it all. Uh, again, I will say Orville is incredibly smart, but so, so is Picard. So is, so is Discovery season four. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it, 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 we talk about how, it hasn't been it's been it's a better time to be a star wars fan i think it's also sorry a better time to be a star trek fan as well i mean let's not lie it's a good time to be a fan <laughs> it's a great time to be a fan period That's it, it, it doesn't matter what you're a fan of but if you're a fan of something you're probably getting something good right now marvel's mm-hmm. got a as of day of recording um mm-hmm. we've got she hulk just dropped episode one this morning i have yet to watch it i plan on watching it tonight hopefully mm-hmm. yeah um so it's good and then star wars has a uh, andor coming out in just a couple of weeks now mm-hmm. yeah, there's and, that and show called kenobi <laughs> yeah 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 and, and that just came out uh, mm-hmm. how could we forget that that yeah. was a great show mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so uh one last time as we start to get out of here tonight everybody uh be sure to head over to Facebook and Instagram, check out our socials there, get updates to our release schedule. Uh, just search question possible answer. We're going to pop up. Um, 
send your thoughts, questions, uh, topics you want to see uh, to question possible answer at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, review, whatever it is on whatever platform it is you're listening on. Leave an honest review because we can't get better unless you tell us how we need to get better. And that's very important to us over here. Um, and one more time, uh, Matthew, where can everyone find you? You can find me my personal socials here. Plugging my personal socials anyway. Uh, Twitter, NEUG485. Um, Instagram, MNEUG1138. Fair warning, I do post a lot about soccer and uh, church stuff and politics and whatever there. But uh, Twitter, Instagram, IonCannonPod, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N-P-O-D. Um, and, of course, uh, uh, Ion Cannon Podcast. Every Mondays, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if, if that time changes, you'll, you'll be sure to find out. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And I'll uh, have links to uh, what I can in my uh, description notes whenever I release the episode. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's going to do it for this episode of Question Possible Answer. So uh, for Matthew, for myself and for Phil, who once again could not be here, uh, have a good day, evening, whatever it is, whenever you're listening, uh, everybody. Farewell. Hey everyone, just got to drop that final plug here for the episode. And that new intro, sound pretty good, don't you think? It's made by a good buddy of the show, goes by the name Den, uh, involved with the musical group F105. They were kind enough to work on that for us, and it's been in production for a while, and we are so thankful to have it. If you get a moment, be sure to go over to Spotify, look up F-105. You can also find them on Apple Music. Be sure to listen to the music, be sure to like it, review it, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, but I think you'll enjoy it. Alrighty, and that's it for this episode. I'm going to leave you with that intro one more time.